Welcome to Thrive Church Online. We are here to know God, to grow in Him, and go. We hope you feel encouraged and equipped through this week's message. Um, so we're, we're moving into a new series. It's called um, You're Made on Purpose. you made for a purpose. It's a, it's a series on identity. Actually, I think the title of it is Identity. Um, because I just feel like so much of, of our lives have been... Um, have been robbed. So much of our purpose has been robbed because we don't know who we are. And if you don't know who you are, you have no idea what God has called you to do. And so what happens is you end up wandering around in life trying to impress people that you don't care about and make people think that you're all this stuff when on the inside there's such conflict and there's such such issue that 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 you can't, you, you feel like you can never really accomplish anything because you don't really ever know who you are. And I think so many of us have have created lives that have nothing to do with the life that God created for us. I think that that we see ourselves, um, I call it the fun house mirror. Anybody ever gone to the fun house? And and like there are all these, I know this is a thing in the past, but the, the fair's in town. So this is actually a thing. You can go to the fair, you can spend like $500 to stand in front of a mirror <laughs> that makes you look weird. Um, have you ever, have you ever, and I'm gonna talk to ladies, have you ever lost a bunch of weight, but then you still saw yourself in another way? Or, or, or maybe you were really ugly as a child? Uh, look, look, go look. Anybody have a good junior high picture? I looked like Spock because I, I was still feathering my hair back, and so my ears looked pointy. And so I've got three sisters who would tell you when you looked ugly. Growing up, my kids would be like, you look like Dr. Spock off Star Trek. And I'm like, you know, live long and prosper. I don't know. But, but the, the point of it is, is, is sometimes we, we come up with this identity of who we are that is not really reflective of who God has made us to be now. See, I think some of us have had our identity painted by so many other things and so many other people that the only way we can see ourselves is through that funhouse mirror. We can't really see who and what God created us to be. Timothy Keller said this. Um, he was speaking of uh, religion versus the gospel. And he said this, Religion will tell you that my identity is built on being a good person. He said this. He said, man, there are people who just believe that their identity is based on their performance. And I guess my question to you today is, is before we go to the second half of this quote, is do you think that God loves you more or less based on how you do? Like, do you have to prove to God, do you have to prove to other people that you're this or that? The gospel message, what Jesus really taught is this, my identity is not built on my record or performance, but it's built on Christ. Like, like I'm swinging at everything I can swing, and I'm trying to hit the ball, but ultimately, I'm on the winning team. Like, I'm enough. I, I, I'm, I'm not the last person picked in dodgeball. Anybody ever play? Anybody last pick in, in a sport? Yeah. So this is how I feel when our team builds something around here, because I have no carpentry skills whatsoever. And when I build stuff, because we have a lot of very handy people, uh, I, I've just come to the point where I'm like, hey guys, I'll show up and clap, hand you water. I can cut a little bit if you measure it. Because I've got a theory, cut twice, measure once. 
Some of y'all didn't even get that. Some of y'all are like, so anyway. Um, and I, I wonder this. I wonder if we identify more with what we're not good at rather than what we're called to be good at. I wonder if we wrestle more with what, what, what we aren't rather than what we are. So Scripture says this. It says that in Genesis 2-7, uh, so we're kind of starting in the beginning, but not. Uh, we're like two chapters into the creation of the world. And here's what, here's what the Scripture says. It said, Then Lord, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living creature. Here's the reality. You have the breath of God inside of you. So people always want to tell me um, about their heritage. I drink because I'm Irish. I've got a bad temper because I'm a redhead. I'm from the South, so I fill in the blank. Or I'm from up North, and we... Is, it, is anybody... Can, I'm, I'm, and I'm not picking if you're from up North, thank God for you, right? But have you ever heard somebody go, well, you know why they cuss like that? They're from up north. No, they cuss like that because they use bad language. Maybe it was easier up there, but can I be honest with you? I live in the South. We've got the same people. So you don't, you don't drink more because you're Irish. You drink more because you identify with somebody who drinks a lot. You don't, you don't have a worse temper because you're redheaded. You have identified with being a redhead and that justifies your bad temper. It becomes an identity thing. It's kind of like this. Hey, have you ever heard the term all hat, no cowboy? You ever go to a country music concert? You will see dudes that could not put a saddle on a horse if their life depended on it, wearing a Stetson hat, some brand new boots, walking like a girl in high heels because they don't have a clue what they're doing, a big old belt buckle that they bought, driving a truck they borrowed. And here's the thing, so what they're trying to do is they're trying to build an identity based on something that they've never really owned. And so what God said is this, He said that, that before you were ever anything, like, like when humanity was still dirt and dust of the earth, He said what I did was I breathed my breath into you because here's the thing, what I wanted you to know that you are my creation carrying on my DNA. In a country that's so divided around racism and around politics and around all this, if we could just get back to the, to, to the fact that we all come from Adam and Eve, which means we were all created with the breath of God in us, and if God breathed it into you, the natural response to inhalation is exhalation. To exhale. So if we breathe in the favor of God, we need to breathe out the favor of God. So if you can figure this out in your identity that you were created by God, then it takes you to this next thing. Genesis 1.27 says this, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Now I need you to look at your neighbor and say, I'm not going to be offended. Look at your other neighbor and say, I'm not going to be offended. Look at yourself and say, don't be sensitive. Because what I'm about to tell you, you're going to want to shoot the messenger for. I didn't write this book. I just read it. Right? I don't, get, I don't shoot my CPA when they tell me I owe money. I just pay the bill. They didn't do it. 
I did it. I earned the money. I didn't pay enough taxes. Fair enough. In our culture, we have a major identity crisis. It, no, we, can I say this? It doesn't exist outside the church. It exists inside the church. Here's what the Word says. That He created them male, female. God made you the way He wanted you. So if you're a dude, you're a dude. If you're a girl, you're a girl. God did not create furries. God did not create, right? Scripture says that I created them male and female, one for another. Now, in our culture, you can't say that. Yes, I can. Because what is the absolute truth? Anytime, look at our world. Our world is not getting better, it's getting worse. Now, I'm not trying to be an old dude standing up here going, back in my day, we had it right. Listen, I grew up in the 80s. We did not have it right. We literally wore shirts that said sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Now, here's the thing. Sex is no more a sin or is no less a sin with the same sex as it is with the opposite sex. They're both sin. Sin separates us from God. Now, here's the thing. Um, we have to get to the place where we live by God's standards, not by our own ideology. Because here's the thing. When you were little, you thought you knew stuff. Anybody remember being a teenager? And you're learning to drive. Anybody ever raised teenagers? Here's the thing. Hey babe, don't follow so close. I know. No, you don't or you'd use the other pedal. I can prove you don't know because I can't see their bumper. Hey, you may not want to date that person. They're a thug. I know. I can't believe you broke my heart. But you knew. Hey, you probably want to save some money because bad things happen like that new car that you're excited about will break and I'm not paying for it. And all God's people said, hey man, you're going to learn some responsibility. So here it is. Uh, I know. Do you know that I need tires? Yes. You know how much tires are? Yes. But you know. Now, here's the thing. So I raised a teenager. Now, I'm going to tell you the only thing that kept me from killing him. I believed with all my heart that when he grew up, he would be better. How many of you are better at your age now than you were when you were a teenager? Okay, okay, okay. So, so understanding that God created us in His image. This means this. Do you ever wonder why Jesus was born a baby? Why didn't Jesus just appear like middle-aged? Because we've got like 30 years pretty much, I mean very few lines of missing storyline. Because here's the thing. We had a, we had a couple last uh, service that announced that they were having a baby and I'm so excited. But here's the thing. I, I just want to let you know this. If you've never had a baby, they add no value. Babies don't have jobs. We've got laws in our country. We can't, there's no sweatshop work, nowhere you can send them. They're going to eat. That costs money. They're going to poop, which believe this or not, for a baby, we have to buy these things called diapers that are like catch receptacles that are ridiculous. Literally, you are crapping money away. <laughs> they're not going to do anything productive except smell good. They've got like that new car smell when they're little. Only redeeming thing. They coo at you. They don't even particularly like you. They look at you like they're stoned half the time. They can't hold their head. Right? Then they become toddlers. 
That's no better. Because one, when they're babies, you worry about them for one reason. But when they become toddlers, it's a different kind of worry. Like you start worrying about the corners of your tables and cabinets and, and what they're going to eat. And like, you know, like there's all this. Weird so then you figure out that children are going to cause you emotional and spiritual wear and tear. Still haven't contributed anything. Then they become teenagers. We covered that. Really, we thought about sending them back to Jesus during that time of their life. Because they thought they knew more than what they knew. But the only thing that keeps you from killing a teenager is the belief that they're going to grow out of it. Then hopefully they become young adults. So if you've never hit this stage, I'm going to talk more to our youth people, there's going to come a time when you're about 23 when you figure out that you don't know crap. I don't know anything. Maybe mom and dad weren't stupid about everything. As you get older, the older you get, the more information you gather, the less you feel like you know. You'll start, you'll stop saying I know and you'll start going, really? Here's what happens. When new Christians are, are born in the faith, they're just happy to experience life. You ever taken a little baby up to a, to a Christmas tree light and they're like, like it's the coolest thing ever. And then toddlers, toddlers are so great because it doesn't matter what you buy them, they're going to play with the box. Brandon's first Christmas when he was a toddler, we spent like $9 million. And, and like, the dude played in all the boxes. I was like, well, we could have saved like 50 grand and just bought him boxes. So, so anyway, and so then he became an elementary school and they start losing some of their luster then. Um, Notice nobody contradicted me. They just said, wow, you've thought it. I just said it. But then they become teenagers. And, and teenagers are the, it's a dangerous, most dangerous place. Teenagers to 20 years age is probably the most dangerous age you'll ever live. Because you think you know more than you do. You think you're more talented than what you are. You think that you're, you have more experience than what you do. Now, here's the thing. That's the worst age in Christianity as well. When you know enough to be dangerous, but you haven't matured enough to control the gifts that God has put inside of you. So our goal today is to give you enough identity that you can, that you can navigate through all the seasons of your life. Because here's what happens. Then you're going to hit your 20s and your 30s and your 40s, and you're going to know that what you don't know. And then you're going to hit your 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s if the Lord gives you. And then you're going to begin to value time like you did when you were little. So what if you started with this? What if you started and you said, I'm going to realize that I have the breath of God breathed into me. And I'm made in the image and the likeness of God. I'm not a random group of cells. I'm not an accident. Um, some of you were not planned pregnancies. Some of you were born out of wedlock. And because of that, you've created a funhouse definition of who and what you are. Some of you were adopted. And that causes you to see who you are through a skewed lens. Here's what God is saying this morning. If you flip to, to, to Jeremiah 1.5, it says this, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. In other words, He said, man, before you, were, before you were anything, before your mama ever had morning sickness, before she, EPT, ever told her you were coming, before whatever moment happened when mama knew that you were there, I knew you. Before your mom and dad ever created you, I created you. And then consecrated means this. He means that I set you aside 
for a specific thing. This thermos is great at holding coffee. It's a horrible hammer. Here's the thing. Could it be that God created you to carry something when you're trying to be something? Could it be that, that God called you to carry His truth and His hope and His love and His grace, but you've been banging into things, trying to be something that God never created you to be, and because of that, you can't find happiness, you can't find purpose, you can't find grace? He goes on and he says this, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So my, my life actually exists on two scriptures. It says this in Isaiah 61, Jesus said, I've come to bind up the brokenhearted, release captives, do all this stuff right. And then at the end of it, he said, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In other words, talk about the year of Jubilee when, when debts are retired and new things are spreading forth. The second half of my calling is this, is God created me in my mama's womb to be a prophet to the nations. Now, one, I'm not like a Gandalf prophet right? Like, that's not me. But I am here to tell people, a prophetic word is telling people what God has in store for them in their future. I can give you a prophetic word. And to be a prophet to the nations, man, absolutely. I'm to the nation of Alamance County. And Chatham County. And all the cultures and tribes that God called me to. Because see, you may be called to the Bowling League tribe and nation. I don't know anything about it. Or maybe the mechanic tribe and nation. Or maybe the firefighter tribe and nation. Or the music tribe and nation. Or the, or the whatever the world that you walk around is. I believe this. I believe that you're not a random group of cells. That you're not an accident. I believe this. That you were created to be a son and daughter of God. And that when you lean into that, you'll begin to lean into your calling. We'll talk more about calling in the coming weeks. But that also means this. You were born with the right color hair. You were born with the right nose. Ladies, the right butt. You were born with the right weight. You were born with the right eye color. You were born, you were born, gentlemen, you were born right. If you're a short dude, then God has made you to do some stuff that you're equipped to do. If you're like gigantors and we thank God for y'all because we need stuff off the top shelf, then then you were made perfect. If you were white, you're great. If you're black, you're great. If you're anything in between. People always ask me, they're like, hey man, are you white? I'm like, not really. Because I know white people. They burn in the shade. I get asked all the time, am I Latino? And I'm like, no, but I should have been. Because I went to the Caribbean this year and I figured out I found my people group. Uh, Cuban food, slap your mama, yes, Jesus. <laughs> Can I just say, yeah, I love everything about Cuban food. I love anything about most everything. We did find one thing we didn't like. What was the name of it? Uh, uh, yeah, we had conch salad raw with um, ghost peppers in it. I'm not sure that I mind the conch, but when you lick your lips and you blister your face, I'm, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> right? Like that's when the Caucasian kicks in. I'm like, nope, <laughs> too hot. Right? So my point is this, is no matter what color you are, you are born right. Now see, if, if we lean to our, into our identity as a nation of going, look, whether you're black, white, Latin American, whether you're, whether you're, you're redneck or you're, you're ghetto or whether, right? Like, like no matter where you are, man, that you're created in the image and likeness of God and God made you exactly the way you're supposed to be. Not only can we celebrate what we're alike in and that's Jesus, but we can celebrate what we're different in. I love Kit Kats. That's a great candy bar. I love Reese's Cups. But that, 
junk, almond joy with coconut in it should never be made. But time out. But there are people who love it. I don't care. There's no set. Listen, listen. It's not enough. It's not enough identity for us to separate on. Isn't it funny how we we build ideology around stupid things like what kind of truck you drive? I'm a Ford guy. Really? I'm on whoever gives me the best interest rate at the lowest price for the best value. I have no brand loyalty. Ford, Henry has never cut me a check for Jack. And until he becomes the sponsor, I'm not on his team. I don't buy foreign cars. Yeah, you probably do. You don't buy a foreign car, but you buy junk off of Amazon that none of a... Anyway, I'm just meddling now. So my... My point is, God created you exactly the way you're supposed to be. And if you can figure out that whatever tables God allows you to sit at are the tables that you were destined to sit at, that you're qualified to sit at, that you're important enough to sit at, then you'll figure it out. I actually played golf with a guy. uh, I went to Missouri and was playing with golf, and everybody was trying to impress this guy. And one, can I just say, I don't play golf. However, he gave me a brand new tailor-made driver And I stepped up and I'm like, man, I really am not good at this. And I hit the ball and I literally hit it like 250 yards right down the gut. He's like, you're a player. This is the last good shot I hit the entire day. (laughs) Now, I was sitting with him and everybody was trying to impress him. We're in the same golf cart. I looked at him and said, look, dude, I'm just going to be straight with you. I know that obviously you're somebody, but I don't know who you are. Don't really care. But would you like to tell me why everybody here is like sucking up to you? And he started laughing. He's like, well, I actually run this entire organization. I'm like, yeah, still don't care. Do you know why? Because I'm not impressed with who you are. Now, if God connects our hearts together, great. But if He doesn't, I'll play horrible for nine holes and then I'll get in my little golf cart and drive home. Because if God gave me the ability to sit in the same golf cart with you, then He has a plan for what we're doing here. And my only job is to lean in and figure out am I binding up the broken heart of the releasing captives, breaking chains? Why am I here, God? I'll do whatever you tell me to do. But my identity is not based on whether or not you approve me. Our whole church is built on a thing. Look, if I wanted to be churchy, this ain't it. Can I be honest? Can I take it a step further and not be insulting? You ain't it. You don't have a suit. There's not a suit in this place. And I, actually, kind of there is. We got one guy in a suit jacket. He's, he's visiting. We love him. Sonny, we're glad you're here. But, but here's the thing. But, but, but here's the thing. That doesn't define who you are. I wear ripped jeans a lot. But ripped jeans don't make me anything. There is going to come a time, and it's not too far off from me, where the gray is going to take over the brown and the black. I already see it coming in my mustache and goatee. And I will just ferment it. I'm just telling you right now, Lord made me perfect, but I will override it. Anyway. Come on. All God's women said. Anyway, Ephesians. Somebody asked me one time, this has nothing to do with Jesus. They said, would you really do that? I said, in a minute. So anyway, Ephesians 2.10 says this, we are of the workmanship, we are His workmanship created in Christ for good works, which He prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you realize that God not only created you perfect, but He created things that He wants you to walk in? Scripture says He created good things before you were born that you were born to. That's why when He said, I created you with a purpose and a destiny, I called you to be a prophet to the nations. What He's saying is, I created you on purpose, with a purpose. But here's the question, why do we not live that way? How did you get up one morning and stop 
live an on and with a purpose? Is it because you've never stopped to realize that you are a son or a daughter of God? And that when God sees you, He sees His workmanship. He sees His perfection in you. You're counting all your imperfections and God is counting all the perfection. I had an opportunity uh, to serve pastors for a week this week uh, with uh, lead pastor getaway. Some of you guys know uh, Pastor Nick Newman is coming in here and preach some. He'll, he'll come back this year first to next and preach again. But anyway, I got to serve with my son. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sitting in there with a bunch of pastors and I'm just watching him like this. I had a great, and, and one of the pastors that was there, is a dear friend of mine, Pastor Tim Fox, walked up beside me and goes, if you smile any bigger, your face is going to crack. <laughs> now here's the thing. He was in a new ministry that he had no idea where anything was. Trying to serve people without knowing how to serve them and what his expectations were. But he was in doing everything he could do. I wasn't upset in what he couldn't accomplish I was excited that he was trying. In that moment, I realized how God sees me and how God sees you. You're keeping score. He's keeping up with watching you. Like when you, like when you do what He created you to do, no matter how big or small it seems in the body of Christ, He is staring at you with this grin that makes you want to crack your face. God really loves you. God really likes you. God's really proud to call you son or daughter. Here's the thing. Servants have to earn their right to be in the house. The problem is, is we think we have to do good enough for God to let us in. And what God is saying is, no, no, no. You were born in. When you couldn't contribute anything like a baby, you were born into the family. When you're an adolescent know-it-all, you're still born into the family. When you mature enough to be really thankful, you're still a part of the family. But the question is, where do you, where do you root your identity? Because Colossians 1, and 23, God talks about how He made you good enough. It said, now He's reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order, love this part, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. In other words, when God looks at you, He sees the perfection that Jesus made in you. All He sees is you win. Then it goes on and it says this, If indeed you continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which is proclaimed in all creation under heaven for which I, Paul, became a minister. He said, look, the, the key to this is not giving up. You want to know the quickest way to lose your identity? Give up. Oh, I'll never do this. I'll never stop cussing. I'll never stop flipping them off on the interstate. Yeah, you will. Press on. Scripture says this. I'm probably going to teach you on it next week. A good man, man falls seven times, but rises eight. The difference in you making it and not making it is not being good enough. It's just getting up. You know the hardest part of conquering your day? Get up. Because I'm happy in bed. There are no problems in bed. Anybody ever got ready not to get out of bed because you knew all hell waited the minute your feet hit the floor and you're like, I could just stay here. I could run away from home. <laughs> right here. Love this. Last thing. What would it look like if you boldly took on your week? 
Like if you just said, man, I'm created in the image and likeness of God and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep on remembering that I was created for something. 2 Corinthians 3.12 says this, since we, since we have such a hope, what hope? This hope. This hope that we're sons and daughters in Christ. This hope that we're God's kids. This hope that we have only in Jesus. He said this, we are very bold. Part of the reason the world's in the shape it's in is Christianity got soft. I called them wusses in first service and evidently you can't say that in church. That's frowned on. <laughs> But you know one when you see it. Come on, guys. I got a, I got a room full of type A's. Y'all will cut a fool down in a minute. Y'all, y'all are like, mm, they ain't making it. Do you know why? Because real men are bold. Real women of God are bold. We're not ugly. That's where the church got it wrong. So we got ugly, not bold. Tell the truth in love. There's the balance. Hey, I love you. That's, that's why... Uh, homosexuality is the same sin as, as promiscuity. Sexual sin is sexual sin. They're, yeah, but one's an abomination. Well, sin separates you from God. Like It's kind of like you're bleeding out, but I've got a deeper bleeding out cut. Like, not sure that counts. Can I say this? Our church should look like a representation of the world. We should have the addict, the brokenhearted, those wrestling with sexual immorality. Those rest, we should. Because we, my friend, are a hospital, not a museum. We're not building us for no more. If you want to come, the door's open. Because we know our own identity. This is who and what we're called to. We can love you where you're at, but we want to, we want to encourage you to come to, to a right standing with God. You don't get that through picket signs or Instagram posts. If you base any of your identity on an Instagram post, can this be a smack, a loving smack from Jesus to stop it? Anybody's parents ever sit behind them with their arm on the chair and when you got ready to cut out or say something stupid, you got the... If not, you had the wrong parents. Because my parents believed in a love tap that was more than tap. It caused cranial bleeding, okay? Can this be your cranial bleeding moment for you to begin to think right about yourself? To think right about other people. Uh, this is not the message in its entirety. This is the setup. For the next four weeks, we're going to lean into you. Because until you have an identity firmly rooted in Christ, you will never be what God called you to be. You will always see yourself through that funhouse mirror. And more importantly, you will not move through the stages of toddler to, to, to adolescent, to adult, to senior adult. Does this make any sense? We want you to understand your value. God wants you to understand your value. If you can do that, you can begin to live a, a life that's so free. Can we pray? Father, we just thank You so much for this day. God, I pray that for every person that's battling with their identity, Father, that You just begin to breathe life into them. God, that You begin to breathe hope into them. That Father, in this moment, You'll begin to let us see ourselves the way that You see us. And that's as perfect children created by a Father who loves them with all of His heart. God, You loved us so much that You sent Jesus to die for us. To cover all those imperfections. All those places that are in our life, God, that are not enough. You sent Jesus to cover those. If you're here today or you're watching online and you're like, you know what, Pastor, I... 
I haven't had all my errors and all my sins covered by Jesus. But today I want to. We just slip your hand up. We're not going to call you out. We're not going to thank you so much. Anybody else? Thank you. We're not going to call you out. We just want to pray with you. Matter of fact, we're all going to pray together because at Thrive, we don't do anything alone. Life is made to be built in tribes and groups. So can we pray together? Dear Heavenly Father, right now I invite you into my life. Ask you to forgive me of my sins. Make me right with you. Today I accept that I'm a son or daughter of God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, Amen. Give these folks a huge round of applause. Biggest decision you will ever make in your life. Um, if you were one of those people online or here in house that gave your life to Jesus, we want to encourage you to do something. If you'll email us at amen at Thrive Church online. Uh, we think this, that life has to be navigated. Um, a lot like whitewater rafting, you better have a guide or you're going to turn your boat over and drown. <laughs> Factual. So we want to partner you with a guide that will just help you on your journey of faith. So if you will, email us amen at thrivechurchonline.com. We'd love to partner you with a guide and just get you some basic stuff so that you can navigate um, the rivers of life. So um, again, thank you so much. Thank you for being part of our Thrive Tribe. If you want to partner with this ministry and what the Lord is doing here at Thrive, visit thrivechurchonline.com and click on the Give tab. Help us reach more people just like you by rating and subscribing to this podcast. You don't want to miss what's coming next.